a very happy diwali to all our listeners hope you are all spending your uh, holidays with your family and friends and your loved ones and having a lot of sweets and getting you know uh, gaining a lot of weight like me <laughs> i think in this festive season uh, castbox has something special for our, uh, all the podcast lovers out there right yeah they're uh, running a contest uh, where you could win a lot of gifts ranging from phones mm-hmm. to uh, you know watches smart watches and a lot more yeah so how can you be a part of this you just have to download the castbox app and you'll find a banner the first banner just click uh, click on it and it'll intru- introduce you to the place where they list out all the things you can win like uh redmi mi uh 5 pro phone and then uh, mi 3 bands and a lot of other cool stuff so mm-hmm. uh, you'd be asked like five questions if you answer it correctly you would uh, enroll yourself you know just like that Ooh. and yes. yeah so guys this uh, contest is open till 11th of november so please don't waste any time go download the app and get into it and when you are there you can actually use our coupon code which is writer w r i t e r to get castbox premium which uh, opens up a lot of premium privileges mm-hmm. so yeah just go right, go there right now and check it out so that's our code writer w r i t e r and uh, talking about diwali uh, i hope you're all celebrating diwali with all crackers and stuff and being responsible enough that um, as we know it affects a lot of um, you know domestic animals and elderly and people who street are sick dogs right too. street dogs as well uh talking about uh street dogs and domestic animals um i thought we'll talk about the domestication of animals in this episode so that's what we're going to talk about yes welcome to another episode of right rand geek show this is your host vishnu uh, with me is shankar and uh, this episode as vishnu said we are going to talk about domestication all right so we have a dog at home right we do <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of dogs at home don't you don't you think so <laughs> we should ask our mom <laughs> she'll be able to give us a right count yeah yeah so um you know dogs are called the man's best friend and all that i mean there's a real good reason for that we know how he is right they are very selfless and all that and similarly there are many other domesticated animals as well uh, but dogs are kind of different they are completely selfless um so i was sitting and wondering when this uh, when did it all start like how did dog become become man's uh, best friend and how did we tame an animal which was a wild animal before because we know that dogs are descendants of wolves and i don't think we would want a wolf in our house right now they're cute man i don't mind but as long as they don't kill me i well. don't think they're cute they're <laughs> handsome probably but um they are very very far away from well uh, i have a question so um we are, are we like just talking about domestication of dogs or uh... no there are certain principles behind domestication of animals a dog is uh, one key example that you can take and you, uh, use it as case study but in our discussion today we will be using a different case study which was a russian experiment which was run from the 1950s and it's still going on that is going to be the primary focus because that explains the kind of uh, uh, you know how taming and then later on domestication happens 
between man human being and any different uh, wild animal okay that sounds really interesting so take it away before we get into domestication right i want to touch on a subject which is uh, a bit controversial and it's been a controversy since many years and we are not the ones who started it <laughs> uh, all the credit goes to our uh, esteemed charles darwin who evolution yeah who bought the, the theory of evolution <laughs> i think that theory has the world divided into two right uh there are people who swear by the theory of evolution and there are people who you know um oppose it to the core so um mostly because it kind of opposes the religious uh, beliefs of many many uh, religions almost all of them in fact right because we uh, our belief is that um god created the world and stuff like that and then uh, randomly you know uh, all the organisms were created on the earth evolution says that sometime 4 and a half or 3 and a half billion years ago a bunch of chemicals randomly reassembled themselves uh, and started uh, forming into a molecule which started replicating itself right um, that is what science says and apparently the conditions on the surface of earth at that time was very uh, much suitable for life to you know start Thrive. so yeah it's a it's i'm a science uh, boy right i mean i i trust science but then still science the- boy <laughs> ross <laughs> yes again uh, so people who watch friends probably would have got that i think we have had like in our <laughs> show we've had a lot of references to like that series yeah so any time we mention something about friends if you have not watched we would highly recommend that you um lose 10 days of your life and complete the entire series i don't think 10 days might be enough but it's worth the watch and if you have watched it you would probably get all our uh, running gags in our, in the, in the show yeah so you said that science is uh, what we going to talk about today when it comes to domestication and all that yeah. but the thing is you know science have also said that earth is round i don't you know i don't get it it's like pretty yeah, so if you're new to the show uh, shankar believes that earth is flat and of course. Uh, he doesn't believe that earth is round so that is why we have this coming up once in a while yeah so for for uh, for our discussion sake let's forget about flat earth let's just discuss about how uh, <laughs> evolution works and stuff like that so yeah so uh, what evolution st- says is um, you know chemicals started assembling and they started forming life and it kept on replicating um and we know that every cell contains something called dna yeah we yeah. can probably go into details of dna rna and all the other proteins in a separate episode i don't want this to go into that level of detail then this might become like a day long episode so uh, so what evolution say, states is the theory of evolution basically consists of three parts um, to put it more scientifically right uh, it says it's possible for the dna of an organism to occasionally change or mutate that's what we call as mutation so when you say mutation normally we think about this uh, you know science, science fiction movies <laughs> where uh, some kind of laser or radiation hits a person and he becomes a monster and stuff like that somewhat similar to that but it's not that tra- uh, dramatic it's um, when radiation or any factor there can be multiple factors which affect um, a cell and there are certain small changes that happen in the dna and if that changes can survive its environment right that becomes a mutation and it continues right so that is what mutation is and every single species that is formed in this whole world is a, a result of one such mutation right? yeah it hap- 
like does it happen in humans too like people living in different parts of the world is there any kind of difference which has come up right uh, if you look at you know people of africa who are living in africa and the people in europe they are completely different right so is there any uh, you know mutation kind of stuff which is happening see these are all results of uh, i mean there is a lot of environmental factors right uh, if you look at places which are tropical people have darker skin to uh, because they have more melanin and that save them uh, this saves them from the sun and if you go to more polar region people have pale skin because uh, there's not much sun there so yeah that's all a result of you can st- see that, that that variation in humans as well uh, but evolution is not a process that happens at a blink of an eye or in a lifetime it happens over a long period of time which people some people are unable to comprehend that is why this questions like i don't see monkeys evolving into human beings in front of my eyes which are just plain stupid right so what they need to understand is billion years is not a small time right it's a it's a long 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 time so over the period of time small small mutations they result in you know creation of different species altogether so that is the first uh, three part of uh, theory of evolution uh, is that uh, it's possible for the dna to occasionally change and mutate and the change by brought by mutation this is the second part uh, the change brought by mutation is either beneficial harmful or neutral i mean that's a given okay. right it can be <laughs> yeah, only yeah. any yeah, one yeah. of these threes yeah. so it, beneficial in the sense uh, some changes like melanin or uh, fishes uh, growing lungs it's a beneficial yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. change that happened because they were able to crawl from water into land and amphibians came yeah they started species. losing their gills and stuff like that so amph- initially it was life was con- completely underwater then it became amphibious life and then slowly you know mammals, mammals and other yeah. reptiles came into being so yeah so it can be beneficial as well or harmful or neutral in the case of harmful changes probably the species won't survive so we we cannot see a live example of a mutation which uh, you know which was harmful yeah harmful i think neanderthals can be an example right they had uh, body shapes which was like not suitable for the time mm-hmm. when they were living so because of that they went ex- extinct kind of yeah again yeah it can be looked at that way but uh, we don't know exactly what factors led to their extinction uh, yet right? but if you want to get some insight into it you can check a check our episode which is about neanderthals which we did like some time back right <laughs> and the third part states that the mute as mutations occur and spread o- over a long period of time they cause new species to form which is what we just discussed oh. so every single species that we see on the surface of earth today is a result of a mutation that happened to that first cell which was formed you know like 3 billion 3 plus ago. billion years ago so that's what evolution says i uh, and i know that um this is this is a this is always been a part of the controversy right uh, mostly because it conflicts with the religious beliefs of people but this is what science says and you know kind of there is a lot of proof in support of this theory as well which uh, we have probably learned in biology classes in our younger days um, and if required we can even have a discussion on this longer discussion but this is for for the scope of this discussion i don't want to go deeper into it just as an understanding uh, on the part of the mutation of dna part i just wanted to mention this uh, as a precursor to the discussion that we're going to have so yeah these three uh, points would be the foundation on which we're going to have the discussion yeah it's about. good to keep them in mind yeah. is what i'd say cool. i this uh, anyway uh, any um, genetic change that happens in an animal is a result is is it's somewhere connected to evolution and stuff so 
it's it's uh, good to remember these points which i just mentioned so um, now coming back to domestication what exactly is domestication so domestication happens when um a species develops uh, a close relationship with a hu- you know hu- humans right uh, close in the sense they're tame they like to you know like the environment in which humans are st- staying and they find it, it it beneficial in some way to their mm-hmm. existence and humans may or may not right uh, i say that because there are certain cases like cats are domestic animals right yeah uh cats get shelter food and everything care and everything from uh, us now depending on what kind of cat you own you might or might not get anything in return some cats have too much attitude if you've seen <laughs> i mean that's there is a reason for that also probably uh, because they basically are small tigers or lions in inside the house right so they, they are their own masters exactly so <laughs> they don't they have not lost that attitude uh, over the evolution that happened and in some cases it's mutually beneficial if you take the example of livestock like yeah, yeah. like cows and buffaloes and all that uh, they give us milk and meat in some cases and we take care of them completely so they are entirely dependent on human beings for their sustenance of their daily life um so that's what domestication basically means and uh, taming happens when you capture a wild animal and you know try to make it obey your rules like you see in uh, lions in circus yeah right? it's basically the fear yeah fear is a factor motivating factor to using, make them yeah. uh, obey to human commands and stuff like that but domestication is where uh, they literally start living with you you have mutual benefits uh, so the way you take care of a cow uh, cow or a dog is very much different from what you, how you take care of a lion or a elephant in a circus right so that's what it is um, again not all mammals can be domesticated right if you have seen uh horse is a domesticated animal in some in in many places right mm-hmm. in most of the cases because they are used for transportation and these days they are used for entertainment and all yeah. that uh horses mostly originated somewhere in central asia and europe right but uh, first human beings came out of africa where that exodus happened which we discussed in our previous episode on uh, you know genographic project yeah. and stuff but the readily available animal there was zebra okay zebra okay. used to roam around in africa yeah, yeah. right but human beings have never tamed zebra hmm. why that is because they are more aggressive they are not uh, uh, you know very comfortable with being around human beings if you look at uh, both the animals they are probably almost sim- yeah almost yeah. the same except for the stripes and stuff but horses were more tame you know they had more uh, they were more tame to human beings so that is why it was they were able to you know domesticate horses i have actually wondered why humans did not you know try yeah, to so, domesticate uh, so apparently there are 148 major terrestrial mammals of which 14 are, of them uh, have been domesticated so you see okay. the difference in number wow. so just because we catch an animal and we start training it it doesn't become a domestic animal so there are certain factors uh, which Uh, decide whether animals can be domesticated or not based on there are these th- these characteristics uh, first of these is they should have an efficient diet in the sense you should be able to feed them with cheap and accessible food hmm. let's say if you buy a lion or a elephant it will be very difficult for you to f- keep feeding them on a daily yeah. basis right Di- uh, lion requires a huge amount of protein in the form of meat and stuff so you yeah. have to make arrangements for that on the other hand dogs or m- most cases cats 
cats can actually feed on the food that you regularly have in your own house whatever human beings eat cats can also have the same thing so efficient diet is one of the key factors in deciding whether an animal can be domesticated or not okay. um second thing is quick growth rate right uh, if you take an example of any uh, animal like elephant it has a long uh, period of maturity and you know becoming sexually mature and all those things take a long time so reproduction into next generation takes it's yeah, like it's, a long process i think its life expectancy is around like 90 to 120 yeah so it's almost it would almost probably last a human life uh, yeah. to get the, to get for you to get to see the next generation of animal so that is not a very uh, acceptable factor it should have a faster uh, reproductive uh, cycle which is present in dogs and cats and mm. all the other animals which we see around um second a third thing is it should be okay to breed in captivity right some oh. animals uh, are very reluctant for, uh, to breed start breeding in any environment which is outside of their comfort zone with domestic animals uh, it, it, for you to be able to domesticate an animal breeding within you know human surroundings should not be an issue at all okay. so that that is another key factor um and they should be pleasant in the sense they should not be always uh, you know moody in the attacking <laughs> mode towards human yeah. beings or something like that and not be dangerous as well um and they should not have a tendency to panic right um when something goes wrong or when a human being approaches them they should not be just you know going that is the most diff- dangerous thing with wild animals you never know how they start reacting to certain situations right yeah so we have seen a lot of videos where you know people they tame try to like try to domesticate tigers and grizzly bears and all that right mm-hmm. but uh, so there is a good chance that they might just lose their uh, temper or something and probably do some harm to the person who is with them see ultimately they are wild animals right hmm. uh, it's just a chance that they are you know they are being good i'm not saying that they cannot continue that way but every day is just just uh, just an extended day if you ask me right we never know a tiger can just playfully play with someone and it doesn't know you know how or it can just get infuriated if an owner accidentally does something or some, you know yeah. something like that cats also cats and dogs are also um, you know prone to this but they don't retaliate in a way to kill the uh, kill the human right which we cannot speak of in case of tiger or grizzly bear or something yeah. like that so that is a difference and another important factor is they should be animals that have a social structure okay in the sense they should have a hierarchy in their society like they should obey a, a alpha male or female or whoever leads the pack and they continue to do that with human beings in the case of a dog dog considers its owner to be the alpha of its pack for him you are the alpha dog so so that's how it is so whoever takes is in charge he's the alpha and he starts following them it it applies uh, you know for uh, even cattle cows you know yep. sheep and all that so yeah. basically who you are with you are actually they actually feel that you are also so them. in their eyes you are one of them and you are the leader <laughs> of that pack uh, which is not the case with zebra and some other animals they are not uh, hierarch they don't they don't obey these kind of rules 
they come in groups but they don't have any kind of social uh, you know uh, commitment like you know you should obey that hierarchy and all that kind of things so that is why it's very difficult to tame them they have no reason to obey to obey you right i mean they don't see you as an alpha they don't see you as a person who should be directing them to do things okay which makes me wonder like uh, elephants they have a proper structure right they have an alpha male yeah. alpha female or whatever and they follow that is them, just one see that is a thing right i just mentioned six factors yeah, yeah, now yeah, elephant oh. yes it does follow the social structure does it have an efficient diet no <laughs> it, does it have a quick, uh, very quick uh, growth rate no mm. and is it pleasant i don't know it might or might not be i've heard conflicting you know reports on that <laughs> i've heard this funny thing like they actually uh, find us to be very cute and yeah, all that in eyes right? of an <laughs> elephant we are like puppies is what i've heard seriously they think we are very cute <laughs> and all that i don't know Yeah so, th- so that's why elephants are uh, fall into the other category of okay. non okay, okay. domesticated huh. I mean you can probably do it but <laughs> it might be generations before that happens Can you guess which was the most oldest domesticated animal This was before uh, even humans started doing agriculture Not dogs because you have asked I, I think it's not dogs mm-hmm. I don't know Yeah that is this is called as double crossing it is dog It is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because you would never expect me to ask yeah. that question if it is dog so dogs are the most primitive uh, domesticated animals i think uh, roughly 15 to 20000 years so i've heard the story about how the aboriginal people uh, way back like in australia they used to domesticate cat, uh, dogs i'm mm-hmm. sorry yeah dogs and uh, they used to measure the climate based on you know how many dogs they had to be with during the night mm-hmm. so uh, it I've heard that it was like back in I don't know like 8000 10000 years back. So yeah. Yeah, so dogs are so now again um when the theory of evolution was proposed uh, Darwin had something to talk about um domestication as well where um there are certain traits which uh as animals become more tame they start showing these traits and some of them are physical aspects as well uh animals become more tame and in some cases they start uh, growing floppy ears uh more curly tails and you know patchy fur and all that the reason that this happens and their skull size also reduces a lot they st- say that the reason that this happens is for the human the animal becomes uh, very juvenile like mm-hmm. it starts looking cute or you know whatever okay. it is it becomes less wild it start looking it starts looking less wild and it starts looking more cute so if you look at cats and dogs right that is the reason that they are cute yeah, that's why whisky so you know furry yeah. and uh, floppy and if you look yours. at a wolf i would you said wolves are cute yeah, yeah, but yeah. they are not really cute they look more ferocious and that's why even huskies are still like ferocious right they have like they're probably somewhere head. halfway uh, oh wow but they are so and not so, just huskies yeah. if you look at rabbits rabbits mm. also have and you know uh, donkeys and all those things yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, even cattle mm. calves look very these uh, cows and calves buffaloes they all they all look uh, domesticated right their yeah, ears yeah. are drooping and all yeah. that um again there's a theory behind this called neural crest hypothesis uh, which says that um there are these neural crest cells which form during the embryonic embryogenesis the stage where the embryo starts forming 
these are embryonic stem cells that produce various t- tissue types so there are some changes that happen in this level uh, which which determines whether uh, what kind of characteristics these animals start having when they are domesticated um and one might think that what would happen if you take a domesticated animal and send them back to wild would after many many thousand years of generations would they start growing bigger brains and ears become straight and stuff like that usually that doesn't happen and we have an example of one such case um there is an animal called dingo in australia have you heard of it dingo yeah mm. dingo is a wild dog mm. so dog as you said dogs were tamed like 10000 years ago in australia mm. and few of them escaped, went into the wild and they have been staying separately from human beings Ooh. they are dogs but they are wild animals right they are not domesticated dogs so still they still maintain the characteristics that they had they have drooping ears and whatever dog whatever the dog was at that time they are still the same so it's it seems like it's not a reversible change the right? physical uh, aspects cannot be changed mm. okay yeah australia is a very interesting place right they have very uh, different kind of flora and fauna because of the isolation that happens uh, talking about australia we keep talking about australia as a continent and a country right do you know what is australian continent how many how many countries form australian continent three namely uh, australia new zealand and uh, uh, and i don't i don't know i'm not sure <laughs> yeah you're right about one country yes it has australia in it tasmania one of the small islands uh, you know provinces of australia that's also part of the continent um then it has uh, it doesn't have new zealand it does then yeah what? let me get into it it doesn't have new zealand it has a part of uh, it has an island on top of it called new guinea oh, which I was has about to say yeah which that. has both yeah. uh, a part of indonesia and papua new guinea that's mm-hmm. a different country altogether so this forms australia now you might wonder what about new zealand which part is it it is it asia it isn't so new zealand is completely a different continent altogether uh, which has probably still not attained the continent status it, it's called zelandia which is a submerged continent just adjacent to australia 93% of that continent is underwater new zealand is the only part that sticks out and a proposal and studies uh, i mean a proposal was uh, brought up to make it as a separate continent i think the study started only in 1995 it's very recent and sometime in 2017 few of the scholar, researchers they decided that um, this continent satisfied all the requirements to be called as a continent so very soon it might be made official i don't think it's made official yet but uh, new zealand is going to be a dis- different continent altogether except that 93% of it is underwater yeah. Yeah, wow so so they say if ocean was not there it would have been a continent long ago but ocean is there well anyway this is like an interesting find i and mm. i don't know like how i never read about it because and one more thing is that i've heard about how you know de- not deserted like how uh, different new zealanders uh, in case of you know how uh, isolated it, yeah. it is so uh, you know deviating from the topic mm-hmm. like uh, i've heard that a lot of companies they release their products in new zealand to mm-hmm. give a give it a trial run because right. uh, they can check out if it works or not there and no one will get to know about it like if it fails <laughs> or like isolated. if it works out i think that nearest uh, so i think wellington is the capital of um, yeah. new zealand right 
the nearest city to wellington big city big capital city is probably uh, canberra which is in australia yeah. which is like 1500 kilometers away wow can uh, one more thing canberra is the capital of australia i am pretty sure most of people don't people know think it. it's sydney or yeah. something <laughs> and i've heard canberra is a boring city people yeah. sleep by 6 o'clock See, or something uh, they had this thing like uh, they they thought like they'd make it either adelaide or sydney then they're like you know what there was a huge you know discussion about that they're like you know we won't go for both we'll make it canberra it seems awesome decision yeah so yeah so that's what it is so dingo which comes out of australia is a wild dog but it still maintains the characteristics it's a pretty funny name you know that's pretty much about um the changes that happen in domestication right uh, we'll come to an experiment which was done uh, in starting in the 50s about this uh, you know tr- testing out most of the theories that were put forward about domestication and whether it's really possible for a wild animal to be domesticated in a human in the present day probably within a time scale where humans can really see the change right it's a, it, it it's a, it's a um hit or miss kind of a situation because you cannot expect too much of genetic change to happen within a human lifetime which is very 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 minuscule considering the length of time that has passed already so we'll get into that just before that i uh, wanted to mention uh, a little bit about the how about how these animals end up being domesticated right so they have certain paths that they follow uh, first one of them is called commensal path pathway these are uh, animals like dogs and cats who are attracted to human ways of life because of some resources which are available in the human society mm. right so if you look at dogs and cats they can feed on whatever human beings are eating and they get shelter and they get water and what whatever it is we are not specifically uh, we were never hunting them in the past yeah. neither way were we you know getting any kind of uh, we were not even using them for transportation or anything so humans have very little benefit out of this relationship this domestication uh, which happens and it's called commensal pathway the second type is prey pathway wherein as you can guess uh, these are the animals which we used to hunt once right and we found it easier to tame them and domesticate them and you know uh, kind of get the meat and milk out of them chicken 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 uh is borderline not uh chicken is not actually prey pathway chicken is a commensal pathway because do you know when people actually started eating chicken as a delicacy it started only 1000 years ago in europe okay before oh. that chicken was used for other stuff like religious purposes and you know cock fighting and all that kind of things it oh, was a sport okay. hmm. so ch- chicken also had the same role as dog and cat they just started liking uh, you know finding gain in human uh, finding things in human society which were useful for them and they started you know being they domesticated they got attracted yeah. to us wow <laughs> exactly prey and in the prey pathway are the things like livestock uh cows. cattle cows and buffaloes and stuff like that um which early human beings used to hunt in the wild they found it easier to tame them so that they'll be available anytime third type is called directed pathway these include animals uh which we mostly use for getting things done like horses donkeys um so these were tamed possibly not for their meat because that th- those were not hunted and it's not even that they found some benefit in human beings that they had to come and live with us so we kind of tamed them for our own needs and these are not exclusive uh, stuff like um, 
there are animals which can fall into either of the categories like pigs pigs can be prey or it can be commensal or anything right because yeah. it can either be that they approached human society or it can be that we went ahead and tamed them and wanted to gain benefit from them yeah. so what is the last one called directed pathway so directed pathway is almost like the opposite of the commensal one yeah because we find benefit in them yeah. and we start domesticating yeah, them yeah okay okay yeah. even dogs can come under that i think because we get a lot of things done with you know guard dogs and all that that is i think that all those things happened later at a later point because initially dogs used to accompany human beings for hunting and all those things and they used to feed on whatever is left hmm. so that's how it started uh then we realized that dogs have potential to be used as hunters and you know retrievers and what not which okay. would have probably happened in a very recent time so okay okay yeah. okay hmm. um so with that i think we i'll get into the experiment which was done uh, which is very interesting stuff um which was done by a russian scientist his name was dmitry belyaev yeah another one to ruin yeah uh, so he conducted something called the silver fox experiment um he believed his belief was that all the domesticated animals have been selected for their tameness alone right so when humans started domesticating animals uh, what he, they did was they used to select animals which are most tame which okay. are very close uh, which are tameable and they used to selectively start breeding them right they'll let's say you have a group of uh, 10 dogs you select 5 out of them which are most tame and you start breeding them Right? Okay okay so okay. he believed that after generation few generations tameness would become one of the major uh, characteristic mm. of that animal so for that what he did was um he started this experiment on a silver fox which is a variant of red fox which has never been tamed or domesticated in the past okay so um he started this experiment um I think yeah he started this experiment in 1958 and for the next 26 years of his life until his death this was his main work so what he did was he directed his assistant uh, her name was Ludmila Trut to visit various fur from farms in Soviet so okay. Soviet Union had this farms where you know they used to extract fur because it is a very cold country right so she went ahead to these kind of farms and she started collecting these foxes from various farms Uh, the main criteria to select them was to see which was the most calm and you know more tameable and which were not getting panicked when they see human beings and so those categories which we spoke more about friendly. right which are which which are the friendly ones um they got some foxes uh, around 30 male foxes and 100 female foxes uh, most of them from estonia they had a commercial fur from farm there um and they started breeding them solely for tameness and there was no other criteria that was looked into how tame they are the most tamest foxes were start they started breeding them um into generations right um and they were not trained to be tame okay so what they used to do was uh, they selected the most tamest um animals Where they reach maturity around 7 to 8 months okay. and once that is done they'll have their babies when the baby from the month 1 as when as and when the caretaker is feeding the animal they'll try to pet it try to uh-huh. pet they'll probably try to take it in their arms and stuff like that and they'll 
start seeing how they react to this human make it, intervention make the baby right? com- comfortable exactly. in the so are they returning that feeling that is what they used to uh-huh. see and by the time they are 7 or 8 months they are cho- attain their sexual maturity Again. and that time they used to assign these foxes a um, uh, tameness score so there okay. is class 1 class 2 class 3 class 1 being the most tame hmm. class 3 being uh, okay but you know probably not enjoying human companionship and some kind of that Uh, that those kind of so they used to and they used to take these class 1 animals and start breeding them again so just to make sure that the tameness is the thing that is being bred again and okay. again and surprisingly the experiment started showing result by the fourth generation that's it yeah so f- by fourth generation the researchers were starting to see the results which they were expecting hmm. which they probably expected to come at a very later stage maybe after many many generations okay, right so what so, is the result so it went so good that they had to create another class called the elite class where they were much much more tamer than the class 1 animals wow. right uh, so the change that has, uh, so foxes started behaving very much like dogs hmm right they became very tame they became very close to human beings they started getting floppy ears patches of What? patches on their fur and their tails started becoming more curly um and by the end of 10th generation hmm. 18 percentage of the entire population was elite group and which by the end of 20th generation has risen to about 35% wow and around in 2009 the population of elite foxes in that breeding center was around 80%. Wow. <coughs> so in like some 60 years. Fif- yeah, 40 50 years, 40 Fif- years. Yeah. Wow, that's like that's the you know um live example of evolution, yeah, so, uh, right? Nobody expected that y- you can see this change to happen in a lifetime of a human being, but hmm. this is a this is a very very uh, interesting ex- experiment that was done. And uh, these one of the employees in between had taken one of the foxes to their house hmm. um and when uh, this assistant she went to s- see him at his place this fox was just walking around like a dog so she was concerned she is like you know if you just let him go just like that he might just go away into the wild or something at that moment this guy just called its name and it just came running to him wow so it it had almost become tame like a dog the way you call a dog's name it comes running back to you so that's a great change right and um, until recently people used to buy these uh, foxes. foxes to be kept in their houses they were shipped into united states also through a website until recently i think they have stopped that now we don't know but yeah people have adopted them as uh, domestic pets even i'd like to have one man seriously but i think this is not the first time uh, you know humans have uh, bred species to uh, depending on their tameness right even uh, labradors were created using but do, but uh, see that is a species of a dog that's a different variety of a dog it's not a new species altogether okay okay so dog was already tamed or mm. domesticated maybe like 20000 years ago labrador is just selective breeding for certain characteristics yes selective right? breeding that's if you look word. at uh, let's say pug and all those those, those were are selectively bred for their short snout and all those things and after many many generations they became what they are right now uh, there are advantages and disadvantages some of the you you know that bulldog is one such species where uh, it hmm. was selectively bred and the t- difficult part about that is a bulldog cannot on itself give birth to its baby yeah because its head is so big 
it always needs a cesarean so it bulldog species cannot survive without human beings right because someone has to take care of it when it's giving birth there are disadvantages so there is no natural mm-hmm. way for bulldogs to breed it will normally die in its childbirth if it's just left to itself right so there are uh, there are other side of uh, <laughs> there is uh, these kind of uh, selective so, breeding and stuff yeah like i'm that. just i'm just throwing it out there like uh, through this silver fox experiment right it it was a it was a wild animal mm-hmm. so uh, does it does this mean that there is a possibility where we can find the tamest uh, you know uh, couple of uh, breed of wild animal and you know get them to mate and then produce these kind of results right but again you have to remember those first six characteristics which i spoke about right but this fox would have you know not fox almost with all no, the no, things no. right see fox's diet you can yeah. easily take care right growth rate was extremely fast with hmm. foxes seven yeah, months yeah, yeah. sexual maturity and it can start breeding ability to breed in captivity doesn't care you know about that it it was fine uh pleasant or not foxes are much more pleasant than what wolves are okay, yeah, they are yeah, yeah. usually uh, you know there are times when they come into the society and all that hmm. so that point might be okay again they don't panic as much as any other uh, you know uh, species probably and social structure they are pack animals so they no, literally you know tick all the boxes so i don't think yeah, that should have been that's disappointing but you cannot try that with lions and tigers yeah, for sure i was actually thinking you know they should do it with polar bear so that i could get one <laughs> yeah we don't know what might be the result of that yeah no yeah, but uh, this is this is one of the most interesting experiments uh, that i have come across and which kind of proves that there is something behind all this there is a science behind all this that's how you know domestication basically works uh, so whatever animals we are seeing right now have been selected for some specific characteristics uh, in the past and you know selectively bred for that and then ended up being what it is right now like what dogs and cats are and this one experiment kind of uh, you know is a is a proof and i think it's still continuing it's not an it's not done yet uh there is still that farm where these are bred and i don't know if you can go and buy one but i after researching i went uh, you know went online i saw that there are few people in america who have uh, these foxes shipped from russia uh half of them i think 10 of them are in us right now and mm-hmm. half of them are owned by one couple wow uh so yeah they are very tame you can leash them and take them for walks and stuff like that but still it's not like a dog Yeah. Uh, the owners say that you don't expect it to be exactly like a dog like if you get a dog home it's not going to poop everywhere and be making a mess and stuff but these don't have those kind of characteristics it might just get on your table and poop there or whatever it is so there is a lot more evolution that has to happen but it's on its way it's what it's what it is right if you continue this experiment for a longer time we don't know what might happen so yeah it the experiment did not create another dog species but it created a fox which is domesticated and pretty close to what dog is that's what happened so that's basically uh, a small uh, you know look into how domestication works and how it might have happened in the past with the uh, uh, this experiment as an example or probably a proof um yeah that's pretty much it and i found this to be very very interesting stuff to research on yeah it's pretty interesting i'm ju- i'm still thinking about it you know i don't have any words you know and i'm still thinking about it so just go back to your pet and have a good time this diwali 
Stolio is a first of its kind podcast app that implements the concept of social networking amongst podcasters and podcast listeners. It is a space where you can listen, share and subscribe to podcasts while connecting with podcasters and fellow listeners to get to know what is brewing in the audio sphere. Stolio is available for Apple and Android devices so just go ahead download it and connect with your fellow listeners and podcasters.